This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today. I'm your host, Jay Scott, and I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Guys, as you know, GoHunt.com Insider is the title sponsor of this podcast, and I want to tell you, you get a free $50 Kuyu gift card if you sign up for the GoHunt.com Insider. All you have to do is click on the blue Join Now button. Use the promo code JSCOTT at closing and they will send you an electronic gift card that you can use at Kuyu. I wanted to tell you why hunters prefer the Go Hunt Insider. There's unit analysis, statewide overview and summaries, state rules and regulations, species summary and trophy quality, application strategy articles, email reminders and notifications, quick and easy mobile access. You've got interactive game management unit maps, analysis of every season and species. You've got five-year harvest success and tag quota, uh, satellite imagery and terrain photos, camping and lodging recommendations, detailed on access and access issues, real-time rain and drought tracking. Plus, you get free gear and hunt giveaways. You get a free Go Hunt hat. And if you sign up using the J. Scott Outdoors or excuse me, the J. Scott promo code, you get a $50 Kuyu gift card. All you have to do is hit the blue Join Now button and use the promo code J. Scott. I want to thank GoHunt.com for their sponsorship of this podcast. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have a cool episode. We've got Pat McCarty from Prescott, Arizona, and... uh, do you go by Pat or Patrick? Um, Patrick. Okay, Patrick. Um, Patrick grew up in Prescott, Arizona. He graduated in 2004 and began working as a Granite Mountain Hot Shots crew uh, between 2005 and 2010, and now he's with the Prescott Fire Department. Uh, he's an engineer slash paramedic for Prescott Fire. So. Uh, Patrick grew up in a hunting family, and um, I'm anxious to talk to him. He's got a great antelope tag this year, archery antelope tag in 19B. Uh, He's got a good friend with a Unit 9 muzzleloader elk tag. His uncle has a Unit 9 archery elk tag. Uh, He's been putting a lot of time in scouting. And uh, the way I first came across uh, Patrick was... Uh, On Instagram, uh, I started admiring his photos, and he likes to uh, hunt desert sheep as well, and so we kind of uh, uh, admired each other's photos back and forth for a couple of months, and I figured uh, now would be a good time to have him on the podcast. So, Patrick, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jay. Uh, Well, you got to be pretty excited for your antelope tag that you have. Oh yeah, it's uh it's been a long time coming. I've waited 17 years now. And Patrick, the last time you had the same tag you have now, you were able to to shoot an awesome buck. Tell me a little bit about uh the buck that you harvested back 17 years ago. Um well, you know, it was uh it was kind of like during that golden age of archery when 
you know, there wasn't a lot of people doing it. So it was really easy to draw a tag. I think there was like 60 permits in, in my unit at the time and you never saw another hunter. And, uh, we have never sat water really for antelope. It was always just spot and stock. And then, uh, my grandpa, he brought this goofy decoy home and we all looked at it and kind of laughed at it. And, you know, we were trying all kinds of things. We were, you know, cutting moo cows out of, uh, plywood and painting them up and trying all that stuff and we decided to take this antelope decoy out and we propped it up and this buck just came running right to us and i actually was it an antelope buck was it a buck decoy or a doe it was a buck decoy that we had set up it's it's a neat decoy we've had it for you know a long time now and you can remove the horns or put the horns on or off and um this buck came running in i actually shot him at uh at 13 yards no kidding yeah and uh, what did he score? Uh, he came right out at 86 inches. Goodness. So that's um, that's got to be high in Pope and Young, huh? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm sure it is. I've never really paid too much uh, attention to where, you know, they, they put him in the books. I don't think I even have an animal in there right now. Um, yeah. Just not really my type of thing. Yeah, no problem. Um, tell me about the buck. Was he um, real tall? Uh, was he real heavy? What was his characteristic? Yeah, he's super, super tall. Um, he's over 18 inches tall. Um, he's got a decent prong, but uh, his mass, the, the, what really helped him was uh, his prong is high on the horn, so the mass went up pretty high. So having, ha I'm not an antelope guy at all, but from what I understand, when, when you have a high prong, uh, your mass measurement, your your third mass measurement actually gets to be below the prong, and that's where you can get a really big buck. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. And uh, like I said, this buck carried his mass and his prong high on his horn, so I was able to get probably, you know, at least a couple extra inches out of that just because the prong was so high. And so living there in the Prescott area and being close to your unit of 19B, um you you've now drawn the tag again yeah from what i understand yep i drew uh the first archery hunt and i think there's five uh permits in that it's 19b and 17b combined this year okay and how do you see the addition of 17b adding or detracting from the hunt well um you know probably the biggest um issue that most hunters will face in that unit in those two units is the issue of private land because there's just phenomenal amounts of private land out there. And, uh, I think with the addition of the other unit, it's going to spread the hunters out because the last couple of years, they've all been kind of bunched up onto one area in between Chino and Prescott. And with the addition of this other unit, I, I don't think we'll ever see another, I don't think we'll run into each other at all. Now, is this the unit, um, Patrick, that, that, that buck that I think guys were calling sticks? And then uh, I think Chris Denham shot what was maybe at the time the archery world record. Is this that same unit? You know, um, that buck was running in between 19B and 19A. Um, okay. And I'm not sure which, which unit he ended up killing that in. Okay. Okay. But, yeah, that's um, the same buck, yeah. And when does your hunt, your archery hunt start? It's actually pretty early this year. It's going to start on August 7th, which is, I think, about a week and a half earlier than the usual archery hunts will start. 
And what do the conditions look like um, up there for that hunt? Um, well, you know, we had a great spring up here, um, more rain than I've ever seen uh, since I've been living, <laughs> basically. And uh, the conditions look great. There's a lot of feed. The animals are spread out all spring. We had a really, really healthy fawn crop. I saw multiple sets of does with uh, twins and it uh, looks like great survival rate so far. Um, the herds look like they're in great shape. Uh, it is getting pretty dry. Um, the animals are starting to bunch up around the few, you know, water tanks that are out there. But overall, uh, they look great. I actually saw some bucks today uh, that were scraping and uh, following does around. And a lot of bucks have already got little pods of does broke up all over the place. Well, it's uh, it's going to be that time of year here. It sounds like the bucks are already starting to, to nose around. Um, so when your hunt starts, do you anticipate the rut um, really kicking and, and full rut? Um, you know, I'm, there's a little bit of concern there, but uh, two years ago they started really early in the rut. And uh, by the time the archery hunt was over and the rifle hunt was getting going, a lot of the bucks were already separated from the does and they were kind of spread out. Um, so I'm actually thinking that this is going to be a good thing with as healthy as the herds are and seeing the way they're behaving right now, the way they're scraping the ground and kind of nosing each other around. So to be clear, as an archery hunter, do you want them to be in the rut or do you not want them to be in the rut? You know, I'm probably a little bit different than a lot of uh, archery hunters. Um, I prefer that they are in the rut because um, I will, I, I don't sit water. Um, and I know a lot of guys will swear by sitting water. Um, I'm spotting stock and I use the decoy, the same one we've been using for 20 years. Um, we've had phenomenal success with it. Um, sometimes it takes a little while to figure out what the, the bucks are into, if they're into chasing other does off or, um, excuse me, other bucks off, or if they're into, you know, rounding up these big herms of does. Um, but I prefer that. And, you know, I prefer when those bucks are, are just chasing each other <laughs> and going crazy. Yeah. So for decoying, that works best. So having shot, how old were you when you shot shot that big buck uh, with your bow i was only 12 years old no way yeah oh my goodness that's unbelievable so if my if if my uh uh big education of math that puts you at what 29 years old yeah i'm 29 this year 29 so having shot a big buck that early in your hunting career um that probably uh vaulted you into really liking antelope i mean would you would you consider yourself one of those guys that's really head over heels for antelope? I, I love to hunt antelope, Jay. Um, it's probably, if you can hit the conditions right, it's probably one of the most exciting hunts that you can do. Um, the way the animals behave, they become super curious. Um, sometimes the bucks just get crazy um, chasing each other off. Uh, when they fight, they fight like nothing you've ever seen. They will fight to the death. Um, it's a really, really exciting hunt. They're tricky little animals to figure out. Um, and as soon as you think you have them figured out, you, they'll prove you wrong. And when you say tricky, Patrick, um, give me an example. What do you mean by tricky? Well, we killed, we killed a buck. Um, my dad had the same archery tag. I think it was in 2012. And, uh, 
we were hunting this wide open piece of ground and we found just one little shade tree. We worked ourselves out to it and we were sitting there and we threw the decoy up about 50 yards behind us. And uh, we were watching a herd come over the hill and we thought, you know, we had all the animal right there. And we watched three bucks break off and they just did this huge loop out about a mile and they just kept going. And I looked at my dad and I said, oh, those guys are gone. You know, they're, they're not coming back. They must be smelling a, a hot dough or something. And we just quit watching them. And uh, my dad was actually super sick at the time. He was trying to not to throw up under the tree. So he's laying on his back. And uh, about 15 minutes later, I turn around and look at the decoy. And the three bucks are standing there at the decoy. And one of them's kicking it. And, Unbelievable. Uh, you know, they just, they just did this huge loop over a mile away from us to get in, I think, to, to maybe check the wind on us before they come in. And they got there, and they, they kind of kicked the decoy around. My dad was able to get up to his knees, and he, he put one through it, and the buck piled up about 20 yards from it. But, uh, you know, they're just goofy. Other times they'll see that decoy, and they will just take off running the other direction, and they want nothing to do with it. And then other times you, you can't be ready quick enough. So it's kind of a hit or miss. I mean, you're either going to spook them or they're going to come right to it, which, you know, i got to be honest, that's pretty good because you know if they run dead away, and if they don't run dead away, you got to figure they're coming right to you. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a really effective way to hunt these animals, especially if you're in these units that, you know, they've just got wide open spaces for miles. Um, if you can just get a little bit of a... a uh, ridge or a wash to where you can get into about a hundred yards from them with archery equipment. If you can pop that decoy up, um, if they don't take off, you, you stand a good chance to have an opportunity on them. And do you have like a window in mid body that you open and close to see what's going on? Or do you just peek over the top of the decoy? You know, this decoy, it's goofy. Um, you really need to have two people. Otherwise you're, you're not going to be effective, but it's, Basically, it's a hard body. It's plastic. It's not the lightest thing, um, and it stands on four legs, and you just set it out away from you about, you know, 40 to 50 yards, and those bucks, they come in. When they come into that thing, they keep their eyes on it directly. So if you get so you're, down, so you're not by the decoy? No, not at all. Okay. No, okay. If, if you can get it a little ways away from you, those bucks, they come in, and they're right on top of that decoy, and... Uh, you know, a lot of times you don't have cover, so they see a little bit of movement. They just turn to look, and by that time, hopefully you're you're drawn back. So you you spot a group of antelope. You spot a buck that you want to shoot, and you kind of work your way with the wind in your favor. You, you slip in the grass and sl stand the decoy up, and then you slide back uh, with a good wind position and then well, let we'll, them come. What we'll do is we'll have the hunter get into position to where we think uh, is a good spot. And then we'll set that decoy up around the hunter. So the hunter's already set. And then, you know, you get the decoy right with the wind for the hunter compared to where the animal is at. Okay, so the hunter, you set the hunter first, then the decoy. Yeah, definitely. And you don't like, it's not like you're walking behind it and you're like, oh, I'm an antelope. It's more like stalk in closely and then have the other guy slip over put the decoy up and then what's he do just lay down yeah he just lays there under that antelope and it's kind of cool because he can manipulate the body the legs to where you know it's just not some static uh critter he can move it to where it looks like it's real oh that's cool that that's that's really cool now do you 
what units do you also like for antelope, uh, say for rifle antelope? Maybe what are your top four or five units? Um, for antelope, you know, I really, really like unit 10 for rifle antelope. Um, it seems like they always kill some great bucks in the archery, but up there, you know, there's, there's a lot of antelope, so there's always some really good bucks left over by the time the archery rolls around. Um, 19A is great. Uh, obviously, I like 19B. Um, the 5A, it, it seems, 5A, 5B, it seems to be that they're, they're killing some good bucks out of there lately. I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time over there on that side of the state. Gotcha. But then I really, really like uh, the muzzleloader hunt in Unit 8 that's been going on the last couple of years. Um, they killed a, a bomber buck in there last year. I think he was over 90. Um, and that just kind of snuck up on a lot of people. And correct me if I'm wrong, but in Unit 8, uh, it they only have a muzzleloader hunt. Do they not have archery hunts? Yeah, they only have the muzzleloader hunt. Right on. So that's probably why there's... Uh, it's a sought-after tag, and why there's good bucks is because they only get hunted with a muzzleloader, and they don't get a ton of pressure. Yeah, exactly. We had uh, the muzzleloader hunt last year. My my uh, my cousin had it, and he killed a good buck in there with the muzzleloader opening day, and we never saw another hunter. Wow. Um, Patrick, in talking about antelope, uh, give me some of your kind of rules of thumb when you're field judging um, a buck what are you looking for and maybe what are some of the tips you could give people oh um well i you know I'm, I'm like a lot of other people i'll look at the ears and say that they're five and a half to six inches and compare the length of the horn to that um it's always a good rule of thumb you know if you can double that and get a half out of it you're looking at you know a, a possible pope and young or a boone and crockett buck and then for the prongs and the mass, I just go off of the eyeball of the, the goat. It's usually about two inches, and then that'll give me a, a good estimation um, for how massive the buck is. And then also, you know, go ahead. like we talked about earlier, if you get that prong that's, that's higher up over that, that second third on the buck, um, you're going to get more mass out of it. And when you talk about the two-inch eye orbital, you're obviously talking when an antelope is standing broadside, and you want to be able to look at the eye orbital, eye orbital, and go up the horn and make sure that the horn is the same width as the eye. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, exactly. And so if you get that, then that's going to give you like what a four-inch circumference. Um, yeah, you're probably going to get a little bit more out of that. Hopefully, around six-ish. Okay. Okay. So, um, and I am not an antelope hunter. So this, all of this is very, um, interesting stuff to me. And then do you typically find that bucks that curve in or curve back? What do you figure is usually a longer horn ones that curve like heart shape? Um, you know, it's really animal. That's why animals or antelope more specifically are so difficult to field judge because, there's so many different bucks that, you know, I looked at probably six bucks today um, and they all had a different shape. There was a buck that had a heart shape that, you know, he went up and before he turned in after, I'm excuse me, after he turned in, he probably had six inches on the turn. And then there's another buck that, that turns back and he, the buck's super tall to begin with, but he turns back and he, he maybe only goes 
two or three inches back. Um, so really, I guess what I'm trying to say is be patient when you're field judging an antelope. Um, get as many looks at it, at it as you can because uh, they're difficult animals. Um, they'll do things to where they'll, when they tilt their head forward or they tilt their head back, you know, their prong will look bigger than it is or their, the length of the horn will look bigger just by the way their head is. So if you can just be patient, take your time, uh, look at those, you know, those, those benchmarks of five and a half on the ears, the two inch orbital on the eye, you'll be a lot more successful in judging an animal. In your opinion, uh, in the big bucks that you've seen and the big bucks that you've harvested and helped guided for friends, whatever, I mean, is it like a lot of other animals in that when you see a big antelope, you know right away, or is it more deceiving at times? I, I think so. Um, when when you see a buck that's above the upper 80s or above the mid 80s, you're going to know. Um, he's going to be, he's going to have it all. He's going to have a big prong. It's going to be high. He's going to be heavy and he's going to be long. Um, I saw a buck last year that uh, I, I didn't have a hunter in the unit or anything, but I think he was right at 90 and he wasn't the tallest thing I've ever seen, but his prong was just gigantic. Um, what do you look for in, you know, you want at least a how long of a prong? Well, you know, um, I, I prefer a, getting five inches out of a prong if you can um okay. if you're looking at a really big 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 buck it's going to have a five inch prong you know i've got a pretty funny antelope not funny but just interesting antelope story uh a few years ago a friend of mine um, brian rimza uh his brother um drew an antelope tag in unit nine and Dar and I have spent quite a bit of time in unit nine and never paying attention to antelope to be honest with you but um uh, Alex, uh, Brian's brother had drawn the tag and, um, Brian said, you know, do you guys know where some antelope are? And I said, well, you know, I, I can take you out where I always see the, the antelope and, you know, I'm, I'm not an antelope guy at all, but yeah, we'll take them around. And, and so Alex and his dad came up and we had a, had a fun time and, and, uh, he shot a nice buck, um, you know, just a nice, nice buck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was funny. Our, our other friends, um, uh, Danny and Steve Bright, uh, Danny's a really, really good friend of mine, him and his brother. And, um, they're from the Munns Park area. And, um, Danny, Danny lives now in down in Scottsdale. Well, during that day, they kept texting us, how's the hunt going? You know, cause, um, he had told us that they were, um, hunting a, a big buck. And I said, oh, that's great. And, and, uh, so anyway, Alex shoots his buck and everybody's happy. And, um, we get a text from Danny and he says, um, you guys need to come by camp. And I said, did you get one? He says, yeah, we got a nice buck. I want you to see it. And we ended up, um, driving back to camp and then we went to get something to eat and we were just basically farting around and, um, kind of, you know, if we would have known, we would have rushed over there. So we end up going by their camp, and by this time it's dark. And I'm not kidding you, Patrick. When I darn I pulled up, and and it, this sounds bad, but I've just never really paid attention to antelope. I've 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 just never, you know, I've got like 20 or so bone, 21 bone, a bunch of bonus oh, points. Oh boy! But um, we pull into their camp, and it's the buck is sitting on this table. And you talk about 
seeing a buck and knowing that it's a big buck, yeah. I got out of the car thinking, good night, I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> and, and not that I've really ever, I've really never looked at a bunch of bucks. I really just haven't. But I can tell you, it was as if it was a 475-inch bull. Oh, on man. The, you know, it was yeah. like one of those things that, you know, anybody could see that it was a giant. Yeah. And I want to say, don't quote me on this, but I want to say that it's like 93 inches. And it, he got the award that year. It made, uh, I believe, number 10 in Boone and Crockett. Wow. And uh, Steve got the award, and it was really cool because um, – uh, you know, how often do you get to see something like that? Oh, yeah. And, you know, but I can tell you not being an antelope guy and pulling up and seeing it propped up on the table. As soon as I saw it, like, I didn't know what it scored, but I knew it was big. Yeah, you, I mean, it, you, and it's that's just the thing. giant. You, know, you see a big buck, you're going to know. If you see yeah. a buck that's, you know, upper 80s, you know, it's a big, big buck. Yeah, so that was cool that Steve Steven got that, and um, well, awesome. So you're excited for your archery hunt, um, but you've also been spending quite a bit of time uh, in one of your favorite elk units, Unit Nine. How does it look up there? Oh, Jay, um, you know it, it took me 17 years to get that antelope tag, but uh, and I don't have an elk tag, but I am borderline just as excited for that elk hunt as I am the anim- antelope. It. That's awesome. It looks phenomenal. Um, it's it looks like the year that we all hoped we would have when we started getting this moisture. And from top to bottom, east to west, I mean, is it pretty widespread? I mean, I know from hunting Unit Nine for years, it always seems that you can never put, you know, every inch of that unit, you know, solid green grass. It always seems like one side or the other, either the east or the west, is dry, or the north or the south. From what I'm hearing, it's just head to toe awesome. Um, well, uh, I was up there. I spent four days up there last weekend. I went up, I think, Wednesday, stayed through Saturday evening. And from what I saw, the east side, east of Tuzion, is getting pretty dry. Um, okay. They're starting so to does it have does it have old feed and, and the feed is drying yep, out? Yeah, there, okay. there's old feed. The feed's just starting to dry out. Um, all those dirt tanks are dry. You know, they usually are. Um, but even the the trick tanks, they're hauling water to them again. Um, it's getting pretty dry on the east side. Uh, but on the west side, it's like the exact opposite. Uh, they got some rains a couple weeks back, which filled up the dirt tanks. Um there's grass everywhere. There's mud puddles in every road. The elk are pretty spread out. They can drink water anywhere, um, and they look extremely healthy. That's great. And, you know, um, for me, uh, obviously love looking at big antlers, but, but I got to say more importantly, I just enjoy a really strong rut. And um, it sounds like with the cows feeling good and fleshy and um, that, you know, our rut, you know, if we could get a few more rain showers here and there over the next couple of weeks, um, maybe, and maybe freshen that, that east side up, it sounds like the elk one are going to be spread out all over, uh, and two anticipating probably a pretty strong rut. What do you think? I think so. I, you know, I really hope so. Last year it was, uh, it was pretty dry. Um, but the animals, once the rut came around, you know, the, the, it didn't slow them down at all. The cows were pretty healthy last year, um, but they look phenomenal this year. 
Um, they all look fat and happy. Uh, the calves look great. Um, the bulls, they look phenomenal. Um, I think that we're going to have a strong rut. We were supposed to get some rain coming this next week. It looks like it's going to rain for, you know, a couple days up there. Um, and I think if they can get on to the east side and just freshen that stuff up, um, those elk will stay spread out. There's good bulls all over the place, it seems like. Um, I'm really excited for the rut. I just I hope everything stays the same. They've got a fire up there right now, and they're burning quite a bit of land. Um, Where's it burning, Patrick? Uh, so south of the 302 road. Okay. And then uh, they, they've got a big plot that they're burning right now. Um, I think they're going off the 343 road. So is it like between the 688 and the 302? It's even south of that. It's, it's farther than that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, so with the um, – that's a prescribed burn, correct? Well, it was, a, it was a lightning start, and then they're just using it for resource benefit. So they're just letting it burn, and they're helping it burn to try to get a bunch of that stuff cleaned up in between like the 302. The 320, you know, and the 305, if if they could get that fire to go down there that far, I'm sure they would. Gotcha. Um, and are the conditions, being a firefighter, uh, the conditions prime for what they're doing um, with it, with the moisture content? Is there still high moisture content in the in the uh, uh, vegetation or is the moisture content drying out? Well, in the, in the, in the larger fuels, you know, um, there's a lot of moisture in them still. But the, the lighter fuels, the small stuff that you want to clean up, it's burning pretty good for them. Um, they're definitely having to help it quite a bit um, from what I saw. But it looks good, and it's really going to help the habitat in the next couple of years. Awesome. Um, talking about antler antlers in Unit Nine, um, I've hunted there quite a bit, and and one thing I tell people is when it's a good wet year, you know, there's more 350 bulls in Unit Nine than any unit I've ever seen. Meaning, uh, you know, just your good solid average six by six bulls. You know, I tell people that you know you can see a 350 bull on a on a good year every single day. Um, what are you seeing as far as, I know you're running trail cameras, what are you seeing as far as just the, the middle of the road, good solid bulls, how are they looking? Well, Jay, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I've seen more 350 class bulls spread out all over that unit than I've ever seen before. Um, you know, I think everybody kind of expected to see some really, really, really big bulls up there this year. And there are, there's a few really big bulls up there this year. Um, but I think that there's going to be a ton of 350-class bulls that are harvested this year because they look great, and they're beautiful bulls, and they're really, really pretty bulls, um, and they're really, really healthy. It seems like in 2012 I was up there, and it was a pretty darn good year, but I don't think it's as good as it is this year. And then 13, uh, it was really dry, and it seemed like the, the back ends were stunted, and uh, in 30 days up there, you know, I only saw a handful of bulls, um, you know, much over 355, you know, maybe into the, into the low 360s. Whereas on a good year like this, I mean, you can literally see a 350, 355 bull every single day. Oh, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, I've been glassing 
all over the west side and on the east side, and it's been really surprising to me how many 350 class bulls, you know, anywhere from that 340, 335 to 360, 365, there's just a big crop of bulls in that area this year. And what was really surprising to me is they a lot of them look really, really young. You know, they're, they're not an upper age class bull. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's one good thing about Unit 9 as well is, you know, on a good year, some of those young bulls, can they can get to be pretty darn big. I mean, you can see a 350, 360 bull and look at him and go, goodness, he's probably only a, you know, three-year-old bull. Yeah. You know, exactly. three, four-year-old bull. And it's like, there's not many other places around that, that you can say that where, a, you know, four-year-old bull is going to make 350. Yeah, Um like I say, I was talking with uh, uh, John Adams of High Point Outfitters the other day, and he was. We were just talking about the same thing that you and I are talking about right now. Um, there is a, a big crop of bulls that are in that 360 range. Yeah, it's great. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, uh, I'm sure I know you listen to the podcast. I, I was not a fan of moving the muzzleloader hunt in front of the archery hunt. Uh, I, I, I think the bugling will probably be pretty fantastic on the archery hunt, but I, I feel like, uh, the game and fish, uh, commission kind of slid this one in and, and granted, if I had a muzzleloader tag, I'd probably think it was great, but I try not to look at my own individual preferences. I think overall for the, for the good of the archers, I, I, I'm not real thrilled with the, the, the uh you know putting the muzzleloader or even early rifle hunts in front of the archery hunts what are your thoughts about that uh i couldn't agree with you more jay um it's really really disappointing the way that hunt got slid in there with what seems like no input um at all uh just kind of threw the hunt in and said this is how it's going to be and we're just going to go with it um i think that that hunt is going to be phenomenal for the lucky 25 to have it um, but I also think that, you know, they weren't doing those guys any favors by putting that archery hunt after because I, I think that, uh, you know, Friday you're going to have a good chance to kill a bull on the muzzleloader um, Saturday morning. But, you know, a lot of those guys that get that tag, everybody knows it's phenomenal, so they're going to invite a lot of buddies up. So people are going to start showing up Saturday, Sunday, and then you got a hundred archery hunters that are going to be wanting to scout during, you know, the bulls bugling because it's a week later. So they're going to start piling in there that next week. Um, so I'm not sure if they did the muzzleloader hunters any favor. And I don't think they did the archery hunters any favor at all by pushing it back. You know, I think the bugling will be good, but I think a lot of the animals will be wise to the game by then. Yeah, I, I definitely think you're right. I mean, with the reality of 25 hunters, it doesn't sound like very much in a big unit. But being such a high-profile hunt, uh, you know that most every camp of, of, of the muzzleloader hunter is going to have four or five and sometimes ten guys out uh, helping them. So I do feel like the animals will be jostled around quite a bit. Um, it's been my experience up there with Dar, uh, prior to the archery hunts, uh, we usually have two or three or four pretty darn good bulls that, um, you know, we, we are going after it on the beginning of the archery hunt. Unfortunately, as you know, as an archer, it's sometimes 
hard to get inside on those big, big bulls. But I think, I honestly think five or six of the Unit 9 giants, as we know them, uh, will fall uh, to the muzzleloaders because they are, until the pressure hits, for two or three days, they are pretty darn vulnerable. Um, and I'm curious to get your input on that. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um, like I said, a lot of those people are going to be up sitting on bulls because, you know, who knows when they'll throw this hunt in there again. You know, they may do it again next year with the early rifle, um, but I don't think they will. It seems like people are putting quite a bit of pressure on them. Um, the thing that's probably the most disappointing to me is uh, when you throw this early muzzleloader hunt in there, like you said, it's a, it's a high-profile hunt. So those hunters are in there. They know what they have. They know what to look forward to. A lot of them know what to hold out for. So they're they're really going for the upper age class of bulls. So say you take, you know, seven upper age class bulls out of there. Um, from what I've seen this year, I just haven't seen the older bulls this year. Um, I, I don't yeah. know if they're just spread out and maybe they're, you know, on the park or on the res on either side. But you start putting those, those muzzleloader and rifle hunts before the archery hunters get a chance to take an older class bull, those guys are going to start shooting those younger bulls that are, you know, they had a good growth year, so they're a 350 inch bull, but they're a young bull. And uh, I think it's going to do a little bit of harm for the, the class of bulls for a couple years, but hopefully it'll recover. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, talk to me a little bit about your strategy um for scouting for the unit nine hunt and not specifically um because that's not fair to you but just general terms this time of year what are you doing well you know everybody loves to go up there and set trail cameras and get pictures of big bulls and all that and i'm right there with them as far as i'm concerned uh the summer is another season and I love to just get pictures of big bulls. I love to see them in the velvet. I love that. Um, but when I'm scouting for the hunt, I'm locating uh, where the cows are at. Um, and if they've got good and feed water around them, they're not going to go anywhere. They don't have to go anywhere. Those bulls will come to them. So as the hunt gets a little bit closer, I'm, you know, I'm still going to try to keep tabs on some big bulls, but I'm really just going to pay attention to where the cows are moving. If they're moving into those areas that they've traditionally gone to where the bulls start showing up in those areas, um, the closer they get to that, the closer I'm going to start hanging around there and seeing what bulls show up. Um, I prefer to just glass and uh, watch the bulls from a distance. Um, you can get up and you can sit on a, a, enough hills around Unit 9 to where you don't have to to get in close, you can watch from a distance and see uh, what's out there. Um, you know, there's a lot of flat portions to the unit as well, so the trail cameras can be handy for that. But, you know, as you know, Jay, once the rut starts showing up, if a bull smells a hot cow, you know, he'll go 10 miles to find that cow. So those bulls will move quite a bit. So it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, the reality is uh, velvet pictures are great to take inventory and see what's in the unit. Um, but, you know, it's been my experience that they summer in one place and rut in another. And, and, and the general theme seems to be that those bulls move 10 miles. Now, what's interesting is 
some bulls move from 10 miles into this area and the bulls that are in this area move from 10 miles over to another area. So, you know, what you're basically getting usually is a whole nother crop of bulls. I, I have talked to enough guys that run trail cameras uh, a lot and, um, you know, I think it's great to see what's around and, and what bulls are around. And, but, but as far as trying to kill a specific bull, um, knowing where a bull is right now, let's say you found a giant, you know, when you were there a couple of days ago scouting, you know, it's great to see him and it's great to figure out what he is and then hope that you can figure out which way he goes. But the reality is, unless you know where that bull ruts, um, he could go in any one direction as far as, you know, 20 miles. Uh, exactly, Jay. And, uh, you know, last year, I think a good example of that, um, I think I, I maybe I tagged you in a picture on Instagram of that handlebar bull that, yep. uh, you know, we had pictures of him and we knew he was big and, you know, my mom had the tag last year, so she's obviously, she's going to shoot the first thing that I told her to pull back on. So we showed her pictures. She said, yeah, it's great. Well, you know, as you know, he kind of disappeared for a little bit. So we just went back to, you know, all right, well, where were the good cows that we were seeing? Where was the good feed? And we headed back over there to where we had, you know, traditionally scouted. And sure enough, that bull showed back up over there, and that was over 10 miles away. Um, but he showed up, and I didn't know he was going to go there. I hadn't seen him over there. Um, and we hunted him hard, but, you know, he was he was just – he was too tricky for me. <laughs> yeah, I – it, it was um, before the archery hunt in 2012 um, when I actually glassed that bull up and, and was able to get my uh, partner, Dark Colburn, in there tight on him, and he got some pretty cool video. And, um, uh, you know, we always wondered uh, what happened to that bull, but I'm, I'm pretty darn sure that that's the same bull uh, that you have on your Instagram account that the guy from Utah shot. Now, interestingly, uh, in 2012, he had handlebars off both sides, but I'm looking at your photos now. Uh, if it's the same bull, and I think it is, um, he, 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 when he was harvested, he just had a handlebar off the right side, uh, but not on his left. He might have had a kicker off his G5, um, but... If I remember correctly, this bull, the handlebar bull, had a kicker going straight out between his fourth and fifth on both sides in 2012. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, and what's funny is where, where I first picked that bull up on a trail camera, um, I didn't get him on there for two years again until last year when he showed up. Yeah, so, I mean, you wonder if, if, if he was running around in Unit 9 or if he was over on the park or up on the supai. Um, but that's, I think, like we've said, one thing people really, really need to understand is that these bulls, uh, can really move and quite honestly, they can be up checking some cows and be, you know, six, seven, eight miles away the next day. I mean, it's nothing for them to take off walking in an evening and, you know, say walk from, uh, behind the airport in Tuzion, cross right through town and, you know, be over there by Grandview Tower. I mean, it's it, it, it's nothing for them. Or to be out on Long Point on the, 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 in Unit 10 and all of a sudden be over, uh, you know, on the west side of Unit 9 in overnight. Yeah, it's, it's nothing for those animals. They can cover a phenomenal amount of ground, and they do it very quickly. Um, we had a bull two years up there. 
Um, two years ago, we were sitting on a bull. We were glassing him, trying to figure out how we're going to make a play on him. And he had about eight or nine cows all to himself. And all of a sudden, the bull just put his nose up in the air, and we thought that he had winded us. And that bull walked off and left nine cows. And we ended up seeing him. Another hunter ended up killing him like eight miles away. And uh, he just said, yeah, he was with one cow, and the bull walked out in front of me, and I shot him. Yeah, and, and I mean, that can happen to anybody, and that's the beauty of hunting Arizona, and, and especially Arizona on a good year. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, it, so it's exciting to know that uh, there's a couple of those stomper bulls around, but um, I'm looking forward to Unit 9. I've got an archery client. I don't have a muzzleloader client, but... Uh, I will be there uh, the whole month, and I'm excited to see uh, Unit 9 on a good rut year, and um, it should be a lot of fun, you know, with only 100 bull tags. Um, to me, it's one of my favorite hunts because of, you know, people spread out after, you know, four or five days, it seems like, you know, 20 tags are already filled out, and, and it, it just as each passing day goes by, um, you know, it becomes more and more vast. I think one of the cool things, if there's any bright light to the, the muzzleloader hunt going before the archery hunt, is that normally the last four or five days of the archery season, we're getting, you know, we're down to crunch time, say, and all of a sudden the early rifle or the muzzleloader, depending on what year it is, they start rolling in and they're scouting and they're jumping in, you know, right in the middle of, you know, you're trying to make a play on a bull, you know, potentially if, if the rut really gets, you know, cranking, say by the, you know, 20th or so of September, that, that last bit of the archery season might be pretty nice because there won't be uh, early rifle or muzzleloader scouters uh, coming up for those last four or five days. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, right on, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier, now, instead of having, you know, 25 people coming up and jumping in the middle of the archery hunters for scouting, now those those early muzzleloader hunters are going to have to deal with 100 people coming up and scouting the last three or four days of their hunt. Right. Um, so I think you make a good point there, and I am super excited. Um, you know, I really started carrying a video camera because of guys like you that were putting some good stuff out there, and I, I can't wait to get out there and... Um, you know, take pictures and hunt and uh, just enjoy uh, God's creation for us. Absolutely. It's going to be a great year. Um, uh, I would like to, to close our uh, interview uh, today and uh, tell me about your Desert Bighorn Sheep Hunt. Um, you got a nice ram and tell me about that experience, um, how, how it all went down. Yeah, um, you know, my grandpa, he had drawn the, the tag, the same tag in 45C about 15 years before I did. And uh, then he drew the Rocky Mountain in Unit 27, um, I think 10 years before I got my tag. And, you know, he's a phenomenal hunter and he knows how to hunt. He's killed, he killed two good rams. Um, so I, I knew what to look for. So I spent a lot of time scouting. I was on the Hot Shot crew then and uh you know if you're not familiar with hot shot crews you, you work all summer you work your butt off and then you get laid off in the winter time um so i had plenty of time i spent about a month scouting in 45c before the hunt and i saw maybe five 
sheep and two good rams, and it was really, really disappointing. Um, so I went down for when the Game and Fish was doing their flight surveys, and I talked to them, and I, you know, they flew around, and I'd wait for them to get back, and every time they got off the helicopter, I just got more disappointed, and they were saying, yeah, we're not seeing many sheep, we're, we saw one good ram, but they only had one horn. So it was, uh, it was really getting to be kind of a weird place for us, and so we went down, and we had the whole family down there. I think we had like 15 people in camp, got a really big family, um, just everybody just loves to hunt. So we got out there and started seeing some sheep the first couple of days, but we weren't seeing, you know, a ram that uh, would be good ram to, to hang our hat on. And we finally talked to the, the wildlife manager down there. And she told us, she goes, you know, we flew this, this unit three times this year thinking that we were missing rams, but we just haven't. And we've only seen one ram that would go over 160. And we were like, okay. So we kind of lowered our expectations a little bit. And uh, we found one spot that it's just a rough, gnarly spot. And we decided to hike in there early in the morning and get up on a hill. And uh, a good buddy of mine, Corey Pritchard, um, he, he works with Vaquero. He came along on the hunt. And him and I hiked in there. We got up on this hill. And, you know, we're young guys, so we just decided we were going to walk in there as quick as we could. And we get up on this hill and we're glassing. And we see some mule deer down below. And we hear somebody whistling at us. And I look down, and my, my dad and my grandpa, they're at the bottom of this hill, and they're just like, they're waving like crazy. And we're like, yeah, 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 we see the mule deer, no big deal. <laughs> Finally, you know, he starts throwing stuff at me, so we go down there, and my grandpa, you know, just being methodical in the way he hunts and moving slow, he'd glassed up this big uh, group of bachelor rams, and, uh, you know, it just worked out just perfect. We were able to get down off the hill. Um, lucky for me, the Ram was with, I think four others. So we had time to judge and compare and see where he's strong, where he's weak. And we decided that that was the Ram that, uh, you know, they were talking about that that was the Ram that was over 160. Um, so, you know, we made a good shot and I knocked the Ram down and, you know, the Ram actually jumped up again after I, I hit him and he ran about ooh, probably three quarters of a mile and we were able to recover the Ram, um, but it was just a phenomenal hunt. You know, I was super lucky. I think I only had 12 bonus points. Um, but it was, it was great because I was able to spend that time with my, you know, my, my good buddy, Corey, my dad, um, and my grandpa. It, it was just awesome. That's great. That's an awesome story. Um, and so did it, uh, having your grandpa be a sheep hunter and be successful, um, are you head over heels for sheep for sure? Oh, yeah. Um, since then, you know, I've, I've actually been able to take a couple people sheep hunting, um, and it's I, that's what I love to do. Um, if there's somebody that's got a sheep tag, and if they don't mind if I come tag along, I will gladly do that. Um, <laughs> it's just great. Uh, you know, my wife and I love to get out and just experience watching the rams, you know, um, all year long. Uh, she loves it. You know, we actually started dating, uh, watching animals together, so I think she's got the bug for elk and sheep just as much as I do. Well, it sounds like you got a keeper, my man. And, uh, that's great that, uh, you guys started your relationship out, uh, out in God's creation and uh, there's no better place. So, um, had a great conversation with you today. Uh, look forward to, I know I'll run into you up in unit nine, but before that, I hope you do great on your, uh, 19 B archery antelope hunt and, uh, 
shoot a big old buck. I don't know how you're going to beat your buck from before, but uh, I wish you the best. And uh, thanks for coming on and keep up the good uh, pictures on Instagram. Um, you guys can follow Patrick at AZ Elk Hunter uh, on Instagram. So at AZ Elk Hunter, he's got a great page with a lot of great pictures. And um, I uh, can't wait to see your success this fall, my man. Uh, thanks, Jay. I, I really appreciate uh, the invitation to come on the podcast. I've been a big fan of it ever since it uh, started going. I love how you, you bring people on and you really get to know the people behind the pictures of the big animals out there. Yeah, you know, um, it's just been a, a, a true blessing, honestly, uh, for me. Uh, uh, people tell me all the time how much they like the podcast. Uh, but from my perspective, it's it's incredible, too, because I, I mean, I get to hear all this stuff firsthand. And um, uh, so, yeah, I, I really appreciate all the support the listeners have given me uh since the last week in february on this and um it just continues to grow each day and uh exponentially and um it's just been a it's been a great deal so i appreciate you being on and i wish you the best with your hunts and uh until i see you next time buddy god bless you okay thanks jay you guys uh have a safe year and god bless you all right sounds good buddy take care well that was a great episode with patrick mccarty and tomorrow is the opener of the Arizona antelope season. And so I thought this episode, the timing of this episode was going to be fantastic. I hope you guys uh, uh, liked the episode. And I just want to thank Patrick for being on. Guys, I want to thank my sponsors, GoHunt.com Insider, uh, for sponsoring, being the title sponsor of this podcast. And remind you that you can use the J. Scott promo code when you sign up for Go Hunt Insider and you'll get a $50 Kuyu gift card. Make sure to use the J. Scott promo code. Also, Deadeye Outfitters. Uh, DeadeyeOutfitters.com is a lifestyle hunting apparel company for hunters by hunters. Uh, Deadeye Outfitters makes quality t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hats designed with hunters in mind. Uh, they are also the only licensee for Boone and Crockett Apparel, and they've got a bunch of new stuff on their website. Uh, so go check it out. Make sure to use the promo code JSCOTT, and you'll receive a 10% discount uh, when checking out at DeadeyeOutfitters.com. Uh, guys, hunting season is right here. It's right in front of us. I, I want to wish those antelope hunters uh, in Arizona the best of success tomorrow. And and a lot of stuff's going to be happening here over the next couple of months. So uh, we're going to keep you filled in and, and uh, tuned in to, to all of the great things that uh, the hunting 2015 hunting season has to offer. And I just want to thank my listeners for tuning in. If, if uh, you'd like to send me questions or comments, you can reach me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. And you can follow along our adventures at jscottoutdoors.com at on Instagram at J. Scott Outdoors, my associate at Dar Colburn, J. Scott Outdoors Facebook page, J. Scott Outdoors uh, YouTube channel. And uh, guys, until the next episode, God bless you.